Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. You who are here assembled in God's house, you who are worshiping with us by means of the radio, and especially you, the 55 girls and boys of the confirmation class. This is Palm Sunday, and what a snowy Palm Sunday it really is. But I hope that all of us are glad that we are worshiping at this time. And young friends, do you know what I'd like to be this morning? I would like to be in Jerusalem, where I was at one time, and I would like to be there this morning and have you with me. And then I would like to have you with me up on the Mount of Olives. And then I would like on this morning, if we were in Jerusalem, my young friends, for us to march down that dusty Palm Sunday road together and to have you marching behind me. And as we would be coming down that road past the Garden of Gethsemane, coming down, turning to the left and crossing the Brook Kedron, I would like for all of us to be singing this morning in Jerusalem, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I would love to be there walking that dusty road as I did one day and to have you along with me. Because, you see, centuries ago on this day, that is what happened. Our Lord rode into Jerusalem for the one and only time. We are told that on the morning of that first Palm Sunday, that when he came to the slope of the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples into a little village of Bethphage, and he told them that when you get there, you're going to find a donkey, a mother donkey, and a donkey colt. He says, untie them and bring them to me. And he said, if any man says them to you, you tell them that the Lord has need of them. You know, I've always been so thankful that he brought the mother donkey with the colt because he loved animals, and he knew that if the mother donkey were along, the little colt wouldn't be scared. And so they brought the two of them to Jesus. And then the disciples, they put their robes on the mother donkey and on the colt. And then Jesus got on the colt. And then he started to ride down that dusty slope that we know as the Palm Sunday Road. And there had been a lot of pilgrims that had come out early that morning to Bethany to see him because they wanted to see that man who had raised Lazarus from the dead after he had been dead for four days. And so there was a group of pilgrims in the back. And as Jesus started to ride this donkey colt coming down that dusty road, there were a lot of pilgrims because they were in Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. And they were coming out and they cut down palm branches from the trees and they waved them and they put them in the way. They took off their outer garments and the laid them in the way. And as Jesus rode down that road that day, the first Palm Sunday, they began to shout their hosannas to the Son of David. You know, I would like to be there today with you that we could have done that. And you know, because there were children in that crowd that day and they shouted their hosannas, that's why Palm Sunday and confirmation just rather go together. You may say, well, what is all this about? And some of us here who worship say, what is this confirmation? And you recall again that when we talked about confirmation, I mentioned that when you were baptized, when father and mother brought you here to the altar and you were baptized, you were little babes for the most part, and you don't remember that. 
But that was a great day in your life, young friends, because that's when you became a Christian. That's when the Holy Spirit, by means of the Word of God and water, He put a faith in your heart in Jesus Christ, even though you were not aware of it, and you became a child of God. And on that day when father and mother and your godparents brought you for baptism, uh, they made some very special promises to God in your name. They promised God that day that they would instruct you in the Word of God, and so you came to catechism, as you know. And they promised God that speaking for you that you would be loyal and you would be faithful and true to this Jesus who had entered your heart on that day of your baptism. You see, they spoke for you. And now that your catechism days have come to an end and you have been trained in the Word of God, uh, today they are here in God's house and you are going to confirm that promise. You're going to ratify it. You're going to give your approval. You're going to renew that baptismal promise that they made and they're going to hear you say it for yourself. You see, they said it in your stead on the day of your baptism and today they are going to hear you confirm that promise that you want to be loyal, you want to be true. And so this is your confirmation day. And as we turn to the Word of God to look for an appropriate word, I find the words of Jesus that he spoke one day when he said this. He said, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee no less than a crown of life. Jesus today says to you, my young friends, Will you promise me that you will be faithful and loyal and true to me to the very moment of your death? And then Jesus says, if you will promise that, then I promise to give you no less than a crown of life. You may say to me today, boys and girls, uh, what's so wonderful about this crown of life? Uh, is it something marvelous? Is it something magnificent? What I'd like to do in, again, these moments is to take a look at this crown of life. Jesus must have thought it was a wonderful thing because he said, Oh, if you promise me that you will be loyal and faithful and true to me to the very moment of your death, I will give you a crown of life. And it, it thrilled him. It must be something wonderful. And we may say, what is this crown of life? Does it have many facets? Is it a beautiful crown to wear? Is it worthwhile? And you may say to me this morning, is it so wonderful that it is worth my while to remain loyal and faithful and true to Jesus until I draw my very last breath? And I'd like to tell you this morning about this crown of life. And I'd like to assure you on the basis of the word of God, my young friends, that it's worth your being loyal and faithful and true to Jesus until you have drawn that very last breath. You see, when we look at this crown of life, sometimes you and I think of it as something that we get in the future, which is true. But it's also something, it is a tremendous blessing that brings us blessings right now. And I want you to remember some of them. We may say, look at this crown of life. Why, this crown of life was really given you when you were baptized as infants. It was given you then. When Christ moved into your heart on the day of your baptism, he brought you this crown of life. Not in all of its fulfillment, but it was there. So you have many blessings. There are many facets to this crown. It shines regardless of where we look at it because it has so many sides to it and each one is beautiful. And it includes in the first place, and I want to mention this to you, uh, this great blessing of the crown of life. It includes also this blessing that Jesus says, I will give you strength. 
that no temptation that ever comes to you from Satan will ever be able to cause you to fall into sin and to wander away from me. What a promise that is. You see, you are 14 years of age, most of you, and God has worked some great changes in your bodies that young girls, you have become young ladies, and young boys, you have become young men. And because this period has come into your life, we know this, that Satan, who would have this to happen to all of you, that you would be unfaithful, that you would be untrue, that you would fall into immorality, that you would fall when you were tempted to sin, and that you would denounce Jesus Christ. This is what he wants. And therefore, knowing what a tremendous temptation it is at this age in your life to be impure, to be immoral, Satan will try every which way to humble you, to take away your purity. But may I say, when you were baptized and Jesus moved into your heart and you have learned about him in catechism, that he says, if you will call upon me, I promise you this, that no temptation, no invitation to sin, I don't care how strong it is, says Jesus, that will ever come from Satan, will ever be strong enough that it will ever cause you to fall away from me if you will turn to me and you will ask me for strength. Realize what a tremendous crown this is and that means that every day of your life, boys and girls, whenever you are tempted to sin, whenever Satan comes and tells you to go out and sin to the world, whenever he would ask you to become cheap, whenever he would ask you to go against God's law, and we spent many a Saturday in studying the Ten Commandments, the law of God, remember that if you turn in that moment and say, Jesus, give me strength to say no, there will be strength that no temptation against your will will ever be able to cause you to turn away from Jesus and to lose your soul. That is a tremendous promise and a tremendous joy because that means that every day of your life you can have this great joy, a conscience that isn't troubling you. There is no greater joy that you can have each moment of your life than to have a conscience that doesn't accuse you of having deliberately sinned and having proven yourself unloyal to Jesus Christ. No wonder then on this your confirmation day, Jesus says, I plead with you, will you promise me this? Will you promise that you'll be loyal and faithful and true to me until you draw that last breath of life? And he says, and then I promise you, I'll give you a crown of life. And it's a wonderful crown. It has blessings now. It also brings you this blessing, my young friends, this blessing that if in weakness you should fall into sin and you should wander away from Jesus Christ, he wants you to know this, that he is always more than ready to forgive you and to blot out your guilt and to blot out your punishment. I'd like to remind you, young friends, this morning, yes, you 24 boys and 31 girls, that Christ your Lord, whom you received when you were baptized, he is more anxious to forgive you than he is to eat. There is nothing in his life, there is nothing in his existence that he would rather do than to forgive you. And may I therefore comfort you in this, that if the time should ever come that you would prove yourself unloyal and untrue, and you would turn to him and say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, I have sinned, and you will ask him for forgiveness, that he will rejoice to say to you, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And you will have this joy of knowing that when he forgives you, he forgets and he blots it out of his mind forever, and then you can begin a new day in your Christian life, 
and you can know the past is forgotten, that he's taken it out of his mind forever, and you can always forgive yourself regardless of what it was, and you can go on with a clean slate because the crown of life, it's a wonderful thing. It has a lot of facets and a lot of sides to it, and young friends, it's a beautiful thing. It's the greatest gift that Jesus could give you because it, it means something now. It, it's a gift that has a lot of gifts. And in this gift, Jesus says, and I'll give you no less than the crown of life. It means also this today that he says, I'll give you strength for the day of trouble. You recall that after Christmas, we gathered up there on the third floor one morning and I passed out a clean sheet of paper and I know you were all scared to death you thought I was going to give you a written examination remember that then I asked you to write me a letter and I told you that I wasn't trying to probe into your family life I didn't want you to tell me anything that you didn't want to tell me but I asked you to write me a letter and I just told you to tell me anything you wanted to tell me are you happy are you happy at home do you have any problems and I told you and I promised you and I will always keep that that no one will ever read the letter that you each one wrote to me only myself but I would like to mention some things that I think dad and mom would like to know and I, I want to say it this morning I wonder father and mother whether you have any idea how much those kids love you as parents I think all of you without it oh some of you said I've got the greatest father and mother in the world even though they may be hard on me and even though again they may ground me and even though I don't agree but nevertheless I've got the greatest father and mother in the world my heart rejoiced when I read that and some of you talked about troubles and may I say, yes, you do have trouble. Oh, when anybody says, oh, you're only 14, this is the grandest part of your life, I know better. I know many of you have cried yourself to sleep, haven't you? You've got troubles even though you're only 14, even as all of us have. But again, you may say, do my parents love me? Some of you were worried about that. I wish they loved me more. And may I just say something on behalf of father and mother I am sure they love you more but I am sure of this speaking as a father to young friends that when again a person becomes a father or a mother he realizes what a tremendous responsibility God has given him you see the word of God says that father and mother have been placed over you by God and that they are to see to it that again you are raised in the Christian faith and that you aren't lost and that on the last day they are to give an account to God of the kind of a job that they did in your case have you ever thanked God that you had a father and mother uh, that lived for this day and they've instructed you supposing you had a mom and dad that didn't care whether you were ever trained in the Word of God didn't care whether you were ever confirmed just didn't care May I say, they feel a tremendous responsibility. Someday God's going to say to your mother and father, Oh, if you are lost, what didn't you do? What did you fail in doing? And may I say on their behalf, because of that tremendous responsibility, maybe there are times when you think they don't love you, but I want to assure you they do. They love you and again. When Jesus says, I'll give you strength in any adversity that you can remain faithful, he assures you of this joy, the joy of obedience. May I ask you, would you just obey them, even though you may at times think that they're just a little bit too strict, that they don't understand you, 
Will you, because God placed them over you, and because they mean well, they don't want you ever to be lost, will you again find joy in doing what they ask you to do? If you will, that home of yours is going to be a very lovely home. Is it any wonder that on the day of confirmation Jesus says, uh, I plead with you, I promise you this, if you'll be faithful to me until death, I'll give you, and I promise you this, I'll give you a crown of life. And this crown of life is something now. Yes, it was really given you when you were baptized. And there are still some things to come. It's got many facets. It's a beautiful gift, young friends, because it also includes this, that Jesus says, I will overrule every adversity and every trouble that will come in your life, that it will actually be a blessing to you. You may say to me, do you mean, Pastor, that every adversity, every trouble that brings me heartache and where I sometimes have the blues and I get rather despondent and I wonder whether I want to live and some of you at times have even wondered at the age of 14 whether you should continue to live. Young friends, listen. Jesus, when he gave you the crown of life on the day of your baptism, he said to you, I'll overrule the worst that comes, that it will be a blessing in your heavenward journey. And you may say to me, how can he overrule some trouble and make it a blessing? Remember how many times we've stood at the cross of Calvary in catechism, and I told you that the most horrible, the most infamous death that a person could die was to be crucified. That was the lowest. And yet when we stand at the cross and he not only died for you and me, but he died on the cross and God has overruled that so that the cross becomes a symbol of blessing. Remember this morning in Sunday school? Each one of you got a cross, didn't you? A symbol of blessing. It would be like giving you an electric chair, a replica as we have it down in Ohio Penitentiary, or the hangman's noose, and you'd say, who would want to wear an electric chair around his neck or have it as an ornament, or a gas chamber? That's what the cross was in Jesus' day, and just as he overruled it, that it has become a symbol of joy, he will overrule every adversity in your life, that you will grow in him, you will grow so close to him that you will see beauty in him that you've never seen before. Your capacity in heaven will be greater and you will learn kindness and patience and love. That's why on your confirmation day, Jesus says, I plead with you, will you promise me this, that you'll be faithful to me unto death? And if you will, I promise you, I'll give you a crown of life. I'll give you a beautiful crown that you can wear, a crown no less than life. And, oh, it, that's a lot of blessings. There are a lot of facets, a lot of sides to that, young friend. It includes this promise right now that Jesus said, I promise you, if you will remain faithful, that you will be immortal until your plan and your mission in life is completed. Oh, I enjoyed your letters very much. You know, I ask you, what are you planning to be? What are you going to do with your life? And I realize that you're rather young and some of you said, well, I don't know just what I'm planning, but this is something that so many of you expressed. You said this, I don't know what I want to be or what I want to do, but I would like to help people. Well, that made me sing for joy. You want to help people. May I say, adults, 
If there is one thing that I'm seeing in youth, and don't you ever sell them short, these are not the kinds you read about in the paper. These are not the kind that are out to destroy. May I tell you this, that in the desires of youth, we are finding this. I want to help people. I want to go out and be of kindness and of mercy. And some of you even said this. He said, I may even be a minister someday. And I'd like to say to you on the basis of personal experience, if you want to help people, if you want a life where you can live it and find that deeper satisfaction in being able to help, may I recommend the ministry wholeheartedly because I don't know of another field, and I'm talking to you especially, boys, I don't know of another field where again you can dry more tears, where you can laugh with those that laugh and weep with those that weep and mourn with those that mourn and be a help and be of strength than in the ministry. Keep it alive, won't you? Oh, don't tell anybody but your Lord, but keep it alive. And you young ladies, you said, oh, I want to help people. And so many of you said, I want to get married and want to have children. One of you said, I want 12 children. Uh, that's fine. I think that's lovely. And I hope someday that you may have. If you can have 12 children and you can raise them as you've been reared and you can bring them to God in holy baptism, all power to you, that's tremendous. That really is mission. And let me tell you, that's a grand purpose in life. And oh, what joy it means then that you're not going to die, young friends, until you fulfill the plan and the mission for which Jesus has given you life. It may only be small things. Oh, it may only be giving a cold glass of water to somebody that's thirsty someday. Or it may only be giving a piece of bread to somebody that's hungry. Or it may be, again, sharing the load of somebody else by helping him raise it and carry it. But listen, young friends, I don't know of any greater joy than to know that when the crown of life is yours, it means this, that your mission in life is going to be accomplished. And you can say, oh, the joy of not having lived in vain, that my life wasn't wasted, that God used it. And that's why Jesus pleads with you today and he says, will you promise me that you'll be faithful unto death? And then when mission in life is concluded, it also means this blessing, this tremendous crown of life. It means the blessing that when you draw that last breath, that your soul will enter into eternal life and into heaven. That is included in this crown of life. Think of it, that when the time comes that death will come to you and your body breathes that last breath that Jesus will be there when you've been loyal and faithful and true to him and he will be there to take you through the veil and to bring you into the eternal light of heaven oh you know I, I think of the story of the little boy that died and when he died his mother was so filled with grief she couldn't be comforted and he had a little sister and the little sister saw mother grieving and crying every day because her little brother had died. But she decided she was going to go to Jesus and go to heaven and ask Jesus if she couldn't bring her little brother back again because mother was so 
filled with grief and was so sad. And so she went to Jesus and went to heaven and said, Jesus, could I bring my little brother back again? Mother is so grief-stricken. And she cries every day and she misses him. And then the story goes that Jesus opened the door of heaven and he let the little girl look in and to see her brother. And she saw him in the joy that was his. And then she came back and she told Mother all about it. And she says, Mother, he was so happy. She said, really, Mother, I would have liked to have stayed too. You know, in the letters that you wrote me, I asked you, do you have any pets? And, oh, you've got pets galore. I never knew that so many of you had so many. And, you know, it's nice to love pets, isn't it? And perhaps in that great heaven, maybe some of the surprises will be uh, that maybe some of our pets will be there, like my pumpkin that passed away and some of your pets. Maybe that will be part of the joy of heaven. No wonder Jesus said, Oh, if you will be faithful unto death, I'll give you no less than a crown of life. And then he promises this. This crown of life also includes that on the last day when he comes back again, he will raise your bodies, think of it, from the grave, and your bodies will share in this crown of life that your bodies in Jesus Christ at the last day will be raised from the dead and wear a crown of life in heaven. And what a joy that's going to be. You see, Jesus made us human beings. He gave us a body, didn't he, besides the soul. And our bodies are going to share in this eternal life too. You may say, how long is eternity? How long will heaven be? when our bodies will be reunited with our souls and we shall be with our loved ones in heaven. You know, someone has said, supposing the planet Earth on which we live, supposing it would be a solid planet of granite, and supposing a little bird came every thousand years and just wiped its little beak on the side of the planet Earth granite, go back for a thousand years and come back a thousand years later and wipe its little bill and then a thousand years later, wipe its little bill on the side of this planet Earth if it were made of granite. Then this little bird would have worn away the entire planet of this Earth in granite. And eternity would be just beginning. No wonder Jesus says to you this morning, young friends, will you promise me that you'll be faithful and loyal and true to me unto death. And if you will, I promise you no less than a crown of life. Think of what it must be. Look at the great cloud of witnesses behind you this morning. You ever think what they're saying to you this morning? They're saying to you this morning, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to speak for yourself today and to promise Jesus that you're going to be loyal and you're going to be faithful and true. So many in back of you and so many on the radio, they think back of the day when they were confirmed, and I think back especially today because it was just 50 years ago today that I was a young lad like you boys, and I knelt at the altar in my home church. 50 years have come since that day, 
And I would like to tell you, I remember that day, and it was a great day, just as today, Palm Sunday, is a great day in your life. Then there came another day in my life when I could kneel again at the altar, and that was the day of my ordination into the holy ministry. And I have thought here since I have been pastor of Emmanuel, and I figured it up, you know, that almost 1,100 children, just lacking a few, have been confirmed in my ministry here. And sometimes I say, oh, what a joy it would be if someday in heaven, at the end of time, that I could march at the head of Emmanuel's contingent, about 1,100 boys and girls, and some of you had dad and mothers in my classes. I can think of nothing more joyous than to have Emmanuel's contingent come to the throne of grace, 1,100 about, and to be able to say to the Lord, we haven't lost a one. They've all been loyal. And they've all been true. And to stand before his throne and to sing our hosannas, that, that would be an answer to prayer. I suppose you saw some tears in your home this morning, didn't you? You, Mom and Dad said, this is your confirmation day. You're going to speak for yourself. And when the chime rings and I read your name, may your answer be, as you see a great cloud of witnesses here that are saying, go ahead and don't be afraid. May your answer be, beautiful Savior, King of creation, Son of God and Son of man. Truly I love thee, truly I serve thee, light of my soul my joy, my crown. Oh, we all love you. We love you so much that we would just love to spend eternity with you. I have loved you a lot. Thanks for coming to Catechism. It's been a great privilege. God bless you. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.